Welcome to session 56 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 25th of February. Today we'll be looking at Deuteronomy 10 to 12 and Psalm 56. But so far in Deuteronomy, we've read through the beginning of Moses' sermons to the new generation of Israelites. We noted how the perspective shifts. So now it seems like the narrator is looking back at this time in Israel's history from their future and from the other side of the river. We read as Moses recapped how the Israelites got here from Egypt. And in particular, we zoomed in on how this retelling showed us the collective term of descendants of Nephilim was Rephaim. Moses pointed out that everywhere the neighbouring nations had settled, they had first driven out and killed all the Rephaim there. Then we read as Moses challenged the Israelites to avoid idolatry and to follow the Lord's commands. We saw how Moses repeatedly used the call to hear the Lord's commandments. He reminded the people that they are a chosen people, set apart and called to be loyal to him. They weren't to mix with the other nations or take on their wicked practices. Moses then warned them that when God does give them the land and his blessings, they did not earn them with their own might or because they were righteous. Quite the opposite. They are a small nation who continuously rebelled against God. Instead, the blessings come because of God's faithfulness. So let's jump in with Deuteronomy 10 to 12. Carrying on from yesterday, where Moses had been reminding the people of the time they had turned from God and worshipped a golden calf, he now reminds them how God was faithful and chose to renew his covenant with them. He then encourages them, in light of their previous disobedience and God's faithfulness, to circumcise their hearts and be obedient. Moses recognised that it's the people's hearts that are stopping them from being obedient. Their hearts are not right before God. If they're going to be obedient going forward, they need to address their hearts. Right hearts look like people shaped by love. A people who pursue justice, protecting those who can't protect themselves. A people who fear God, remembering all that he has done and holding to it. it involves letting all that God has taught them sink deep into their hearts. It should be a lens they see through and it should be taught to their children so that they can get it into their hearts. And Moses reminds them why obedience is important. When they have been obedient in the past, God has blessed them. All they've done is been successful and they've prospered. But when they've been disobedient in the past, he has cursed them. There was disease in their camps and they had failed at whatever they tried to do. In this sense, Israel has a unique relationship with God. When we're disobedient today, God doesn't curse us or send diseases our way. He does, however, still let us face the consequences of our actions, which can oftentimes be just as bad. Having reminded Israel of the importance of following the law, Moses now begins to actually recap the law. From Deuteronomy 12 to 26, that's what we're going to get. This is where Deuteronomy gets its name from. It means second law. But as mentioned before, the second law has subtly been changed and updated to fit the new context they're going to find themselves in the land. He starts off with telling Israelites that they must destroy any of the foreign places of worship they come across when they enter the land promised to them. They are to remove anything and everything that would tempt them to worship other gods. Once these places of worship to other gods are destroyed, the people are to establish the one place of God's worship where he will show them. This is the only place they are to bring offerings and sacrifices. He goes on to say that it's okay to kill animals elsewhere as long as those animals aren't for sacrificing and they're just for eating. This is different from the instructions we got in Leviticus 17 verses 1 to 7, which previously said that all animals must be sacrificed at the tabernacle first before they could be cooked 
and eaten. If you remember, this was because there were lots of people going and sacrificing animals outside the camp to goat demons in the hope that those demons would leave them alone as they traveled through the wilderness. This isn't a concern when the people enter the land. And so people are once again free to kill their own animals in their own towns. In this, we see that even within the space of the Torah, we get some instructions introduced that by the end of the Torah are no longer relevant. This is why we need to look at these laws as communicating theological ideas and principles which we are to hold on to, rather than holding on to the exact wording of the law itself. Back to the passage, we see another warning against idolatry. As always, the most important thing to grasp is the correct way to worship God, as that is the beginning and centre of our relationship with him. But that's Deuteronomy 10 to 12. Let's look at Psalm 56. This psalm is attributed to King David when he was in Gath, fleeing Saul. Have a look at 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15. It falls into the category of lament psalm. Here's a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. So we start with verses 1 to 2, the complaint. Verses 3 to 4, a declaration of trust. Verses 5 to 6, the complaint. Verse 7, the request. And verses 8 to 13, a declaration of trust. The psalmist opens with a quick request that God be gracious to them and then launches into their complaint. They feel trampled by their enemies. They feel constantly oppressed by attacks. But then the psalmist pulls themselves together and reminds themselves of the confidence they can have in God. They trust in God and he will guard them. What can human flesh and bone do to them when they trust in God? But then they slip back into their complaint. Their enemies are determined to beat them. They stir up strife and cause problems. This leads the psalmist to make a simple request. Cast them down, God. Stop them in their tracks. Having shared his complaint and made his request, the psalmist turns back to trust. God knows them. He sees and keeps track of everything they're going through. There will come a time when God will intervene and the psalmist's enemies will be turned back. Once again, the psalmist points out if they trust in God, what can humans do to them? And so the psalmist looks forward to their response when God eventually restores them. They will perform their vows and offer thanks to God, all because God protected and sustained them. 